One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome back, Wisdom Filled Warriors. We're going to jump into where we left off last week. Um, man, the Lord is really doing some really cool things in the places I'm going in this concept of being awakened to the power of relying on Him as the one who speaks and what the gospel is versus uh, people who have been deceived into simply being a Bible worshiper. Right? You're not called to be a Bible worshiper. You're called to worship the living God. Right? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Right? And it is actually um, an, an extremely important thing for you as a Christian. Um, if you want to get truly set free, if you truly want to step into the supernatural, you better have the hierarchy and the importance of the Holy Spirit in the same manner and light in which Jesus had of the Holy Spirit. Okay, because Jesus didn't come here quoting the Bible. He came here speaking what the Spirit was, was revealing to him. Yes, Jesus did quote scripture on occasion to reveal understanding. But the essence of what Jesus did and is documented in his ministry, everywhere he went, he raised the dead, he heals the sick, he cast out devils, he does the supernatural things, right? And that was all a product of the Spirit. And we talked last time um, about the concept of why Jesus was taken into the desert to face Satan, right? The facing of Satan in the desert. Um, and we talked last time about Satan knew scripture, right? The book of James documents that Satan knows the scripture. He knows it better than any of us, right? He, he was in heaven. He, he had access to all of what um, uh, the, the, the scripture is, okay? But it goes way beyond Scripture because Scripture alone does not give life. The Bible actually says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, right? And so when Jesus went into the desert as led by the Spirit, it was to reveal how important Jesus relied on the Spirit over simply looking at Scripture, okay? We documented last time that Satan knows the Scripture, right? So if Satan knows the Scripture and Jesus knows the Scripture, the testing in the desert was to discern the voice of the Spirit in contrast to simply being deceived and led by something uh, demonic in nature, quoting Scripture, okay? So as Satan was quoting Scripture in the desert with Jesus, um, and you can reference the, the three encounters that are documented in, in Luke 4 and in Matthew 4, as, as Jesus was in the fight in the desert, Jesus was not moved by Satan quoting scripture. Jesus waited on the movement of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It was a, it was a spiritual um, uh, revelation that Jesus was bringing to the world that he was moved by the Spirit, not simply words on stone. Okay? The, the reason why uh, Israel was given words on stone is because they re refused as a nation to, re to ascend the mountain to speak to God face to face. That was his original intent. He wanted to speak to them. And so when Jesus came, the concept of sin is actually a separation. Okay, You've, Many of you have probably been taught that sin is about all the bad things you do. Okay, Those are actually products of being separated from God. Okay, Lying cheating, stealing, adultery. You're, the intent is not to stop that in and of itself. The way it is stopped is through being reconnected to the Holy Spirit who actually is the one who imparts ability to you because man can't do it. Man can't stop sin. Only the work of Christ on the cross and the perfect um, sacrifice and Jesus actually giving the Spirit, right? And so the context of the Spirit being so valued by Christ, he actually said, um, if you blaspheme me, if you reject me, you'll be forgiven. But if you blaspheme and reject the Holy Ghost, there is no forgiveness for it. 
So why am I so adamant about you putting extreme value on the Holy Spirit? It's because that's the way Jesus did it. He relied in relationship in the Holy Spirit, okay? He, his mind was set on things above. He set his mind on hearing the voice of God and not on just trying to um, repeat scripture, okay? And when Jesus was in the desert, we talked last time about Matthew 4, um, Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus answered Satan, he says, but um, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The word, word there is the Greek word rhema. It actually means what the spirit is speaking. Okay. Jesus is saying, I don't live by scripture. I live by the voice of the spirit. Okay. Because here's the deal, guys. Satan twisted scripture in the desert with Jesus. Satan proved that as a man simply trying to interpret scripture, man screws it up. Okay. Man can pull a scripture out of the Bible um, and you can go through the Bible. The Bible actually on purpose contradicts itself. Okay. It actually forces you to go to the revelation that only the spirit can lead you through life and not man simply trying to pick and choose scripture to apply it to their life. Okay. I believe the Bible is hundred percent true, but its position is subservient to the, the, the Holy Spirit because Jesus put extreme value on the Holy Spirit as revealed in the desert. And when Jesus listened to the Spirit in the three temptations from Satan who, who used Scripture to tempt him, Jesus proved that he wasn't moved by um, a, a, a demonic perspective and twisting of Scripture. Jesus knew the voice of the Holy Spirit and his ministry was launched, creating and um, releasing the kingdom of heaven and, and the demons that were driven out, uh, the power of the Spirit to, for miracles, um, thousands of people baptized and, and, and just the supernatural outpouring because Jesus was led by the Spirit of God, okay? And so what Jesus demonstrated, and, and, this, and the same goes for Paul when Paul was sent on his missions, is encounter, okay? Jesus brought people the encounter of the Spirit. He didn't just stand up in a pulpit and repeat scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept, right? He didn't do that. He explained some things and what some scripture meant. But the predominant thing that Jesus did was listen to the Holy Spirit and release what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. And thousands of people encountered the kingdom, okay? And that, that, that same model is demonstrated when the Holy Spirit comes upon the, the, the uh, apostles and the 120 in the upper room, right? It, they, they, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They pour out into the street and they're literally intoxicated with the presence of God. And the, the church is birthed through supernatural encounter, okay? Paul, everywhere Paul went, he didn't go regurgitating scripture, what Paul did when he went on his missions was to hear what the Spirit was saying to the church, and he released what the Spirit of God was saying to the church. And that's why there were that's why Ephesus experienced a miracle, right? That's why when Paul came across the uh, the twelve um, followers um, of John, John the Baptist, when when they were when he was in Ephesus, right at the beginning of Acts nineteen, Paul says, "Have you um, repented?" They say, "Yes." Um, he goes, have you been baptized in Christ? They say, we don't even know what that is. And Paul then says, you need the Holy Ghost. You need to learn the way of the Holy Spirit, right? So he, he lays his hand on them, he prays for them, and they have an encounter, right? All of them are equipped in the Holy Spirit, and the supernatural um, awakening and revival is birthed in Ephesus, okay? And so the concept of you knowing the Holy Spirit is that you are to bring an encounter. You're to bring an encounter in your home. You're to bring an encounter in your workplace. You're to bring an encounter when you're walking down the street because you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and not one who simply repeats Scripture, okay? And this isn't a very important thing because the last time we talked, we, we talked about the difference between um, graphe, which is written scripture, written, the, the Bible itself is known as scripture, okay? Um, it's uh, the Greek word for it is graphe, it's the documented encounters of the Holy Spirit with Paul, with the disciples, and, do, and the documented things in which Jesus did. 
Okay? So the graphe, the written scripture, documents the encounter. The Bible itself was never, never, ever what was supposed to be worshipped. Okay? And if you grew up in a denomination, you grew up in a theology that looks at the Bible as the word, okay, that is that is a misconception. That is a demonic um, form of powerless doctrine that gets you to try to conform to a scripture instead of encountering the one who has the power to deliver you, reveal you, heal you. And not when he heals you and you become reliant on the spirit, you then go into the world and become a preacher, okay? And we're going to talk about what a real preacher is here in a second. Because it's documented in the graphe, in, 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 the, in the written scripture, okay? And so we talked, and I'm going to spend some time today talking about the real meaning of what logos means and what rhema means. In general, both logos, like, like in John 1, it's when it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. Um, people fall into this deception and say, well, the, the Bible is the Word, and that's not true. Okay, the Bible is scripture. It is doc. It is a documentation of the encounters with the kingdom of heaven being poured out on earth. Okay, but in John one, when it says in the beginning was the word, that's the word logos. The word logos goes back to Genesis chapter one, right? Whenever the Lord spoke into the darkness, right? The word of the living God spoke into the darkness. And the darkness could not stop the light. So the word, Christ in heaven, literally spoke and created the worlds. Okay, this is also documented in in uh, Hebrews eleven three. It said that it says that the world the, that the worlds are upheld by the by the word of His power. The word word. There's a word rhema. So that again eleven uh, Hebrews eleven three documents that logos. Um, is actually the documentation of the encounters when the Lord actually speaks on earth and releases his power, releasing his kingdom on the earth, and not just words on paper. Words on paper is graphe, it's scripture, okay? And so logos and rhema, we're going to get into the real definition of, of, of rhema and logos, and because you need to come away with a supernatural, strong expectation that you need and desperately require the encounter of the Lord, okay? That you are to be adopted as sons and daughters, and your rightful place is the high place. Your rightful place um, is with Christ, seated in heaven, right? The right Jesus said, I have a place prepared for you, okay? I have a place where I'm going to speak to you face to face, and you have to get there through your prayer life. Okay, your prayer life is the avenue by which you get there. You can't try to conform to written scripture and get to the high place in a spiritual connection with the Holy Spirit. Because if you try to do that, you will be a victim of people who embody the intent of Satan, who twist scripture to get you to do things that are not of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, forcing you to tithe using Malachi chapter 3 and saying, if you don't bring your tithe into the storehouse, the condemnation of God is going to come upon you. Well, I would say this to you, okay? If, if you are sitting in a place where you are condemned and shamed into giving your money into an offering plate, you, where a guy uses scripture in Malachi 3 to shame you into doing that, well, guess what? <clears throat> You're sitting under a deceiver because the reality is that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, right? That's what the scripture says. The scripture um, confirms that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. So if Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets, how can the law still be alive? It's only alive if you've been deceived into trying to um, achieve all of the law, okay? Okay, you're not here to achieve the law. You're here to know Christ. You are born again to be spiritual in relationship and know Christ, okay? And so... Let's just talk about this concept of rhema, and then I'm going to talk about logos. Rhema is a very clear, it's, it's, it, rhema is the, is the source of the voice of God that fuels every gift of the Spirit, okay? Dreams and visions um, are the fuel uh, for prophecy, words of knowledge, uh, the working of miracles, um, you know, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, um, faith. You know, all the gifts of the Spirit are a product of the Lord speaking, okay? 
Um, Romans 10, 17, we talked about this last time. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. The word word there is the word rhema. So the only way that you can have faith is if you receive his vision, if you receive his dream. You alone as a man can't create faith. Okay, there's people that sit in thousands and thousands of churches across America that have no faith. They sit there dead. They sit there as dead men, never healing the sick, never raising the dead, never prophesying, never doing the supernatural thing. You know why? Because they've been been deceived into worshiping doctrine instead of the living God. Okay, because if you worship the living God, you will reflect him. You will look like him. Faith will be imparted to you to go do the supernatural things. Okay, and to further illustrate what the word rhema means um, in Luke one thirty seven, when the angel came and visited Mary and said, you are going to be pregnant. You are going to carry the son of God. You're going to birth the son of God. He says this um, in Luke one thirty seven. it says, for with God, nothing is impossible. That phrase is actually, it uses the word rhema. And what it means is when God speaks to you, nothing is impossible. And so when the, when the angel came and spoke what the Lord was saying to Mary, okay, get this guys, the angel was sent as a messenger speaking directly from the throne room of God to Mary, okay? And he, the angel was confirming to her, the Lord himself is speaking to you. You are going to carry the Son of God. You're a virgin, but you're going to be pregnant. And you are going to birth the Son of God. Okay? With God, nothing is impossible. When the Lord speaks to you, nothing is impossible. And you have to, you have to recognize, guys, that the Lord has something to say to every one of you. Every day of your life should be based on what the Lord is saying to you, not you trying to figure out the kingdom, not you trying to figure out Scripture. Okay, the Lord will reveal his kingdom to you when you begin to trust him in a spiritual life, in a spiritual prayer life. When when you actually make your priority, your prayer room, expecting the Lord, as I've taught you before about when you pray in tongues, what happens and the Lord's promise that when you pray in his language, he it's a it's a beckoning call for the father to speak to you. Okay. so as you recenter your life as a Christian, not to go to church on Sunday, but to spend your time in his presence and hear his voice, he will make you a supernatural thing, something that the dead church could never make you guys. Amen. And so, um, you know, one other thing here, you know, when you, when you take the context of Rhema and, and how important the direct voice of God is, um, it should be the centerpiece of the church. And that's, that was Paul's heart cry in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the heart cry as you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he is, he is reordering the church to be centered on the prophetic voice of God. Okay? He actually says in verse uh, 23, 24, 25 in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, how will they know? Right? He, he says they will know as the prophetic voices stand up and read. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, guys. As the prophetic people discern the hearts of the unbeliever and they begin to prophesy what the Lord is saying to them, it says that those people will fall down on their knees and decree that Jesus Christ is real. Because spirit to spirit came through a man and the rhema voice of God, prophecy, words of knowledge, miracle power was released um, into the unbeliever and what the believer, what the unbeliever now is converted into is experiencing the direct voice of God, not coming into a dead church and trying to achieve it. Okay? And that's the problem in America, guys. Most of our churches are based on scriptural conformance. And that's not Christianity. It was never meant to be about scriptural conformance. It was meant to be relationship. It doesn't matter if you're the chiefest of sinners. You're the worst of the worst. If you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and you begin to pray, He then begins to speak to you and reform you into something you could never conform yourself to according to the world's way of reading scripture and trying to achieve it. That's not the way the Lord works. He leads you into a spiritual awakening and when you dedicate your life to His prayer room, you then hear his voice and he reforms you. The rhema voice, when it speaks into you, nothing is impossible in your life. When he actually imparts that power to you, when he gives you a new vision for what you are and what you're going to do, you realize, oh my goodness, it's not about all this religious dead conformance stuff. It's about the relationship and me finding the plan the Lord has for me and seeking him to impart it to me, to reveal it to me. Amen. 
I don't know about you, man, but that gets me so excited. I mean, there's nothing impossible for you guys. No matter where you're at in life right now, the Lord can come touch you in an instant and redirect the path of your feet. Amen? And so, Grafe, the, the, the whole concept of a church being awakened, let me, let me just go back. I, I want to touch on one more thing here. In Ramah, um, in, in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 20 through 25, um, the, the Lord says, Wives, submit to your husbands, right? And then he goes on and says, Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Uh, cleansing her with the washing of the water of the word. Okay, I talked to you. I talked to you a few weeks ago about a little bit about this scripture, but I want to expand on it. Okay, the word submit there was never meant to be forced control that the husband lords over the wife and she has to do everything he says. That's 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 not a relational love dynamic. Okay, that scripture is actually the meaning of um, the the uh, the wife in this context is those who are unlearned, who, who, who can't prophesy or, or don't know what the Lord is saying yet, okay? That the husband's act of love in the power of the Holy Spirit is to cleanse her with the washing of the water of the Word. Well, guess what? The word word there is the word rhema, okay? So a husband is to be prophesying and giving words of knowledge and working in the Spirit in his home with his wife, with his children. The working of miracles should be a routine thing in the household. The words of knowledge and what the Lord is saying, go here, don't do this. We're going to not do that today, but we're going to go over to the beach today because this is what the Lord wants us to do with this man who's going to show up and this is what he looks like, okay? That's a way of life that is supposed to be a supernatural way of life, okay? Children learn that when you position yourself in, in um, not, not as the world defines submission, but as the, the real word, um, the real meaning of the word submission in that scripture is actually to be honorable and expectant of what the Lord is saying, okay? And that is how the body, the church, is cleansed. And that is, that is a picture of the home. That is a picture of the church. And so if you get that, guys, the church should actually be centered around the voice of God and the, what the Lord is actually saying prophetically. And scriptural understanding should be tacked on based on what the Lord is revealing prophetically. Okay? What if the Lord, what if, what if your gathering is meant to be nothing but deliverance and healing and uh, words of knowledge that reveal the true identity of the people in the room rather than you sitting up there trying to teach people scripture. Okay? And there's 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 a con there's a biblical context to here that you have to wrap around your heart that what you've been taught in church, listen to an or orator stand in a pulpit, um, is not necessarily the way the gospel is supposed to work. You are supposed to have in supernatural encounters where the Lord comes and says to you, nothing is impossible because I've spoken this to you. What if the whole body actually knew how to prophesy and anybody knew who came into the room, you dedicated time to speak to them what the Lord is saying to them. And therefore, they no longer are trying to conform to the or orator regurgitating scripture in a pulpit but they realize that the Lord is washing them and cleansing them and redefining their life because the direct voice of God is prophesying to them. The vision of God is being released into their life. Amen? So it begs the question, guys, what is a preacher? What is a preacher? Okay, and this is Romans 10. I'm going to start with verse 14. And the context here is why did Israel reject when Christ came? The one who had the ability to deliver them. Okay? Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom um, they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay, so a preacher is necessary. That's you. Look yourself in the mirror right now and say, that's me. I'm a preacher. Okay, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? Okay, any call of God, when the Lord encounters you, you automatically become a preacher and you become a sent one. Because when you learn the way Jesus got through the desert in waiting on the voice of the Spirit and overcoming Satan by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by um, conforming to Scripture, 
okay, you then go in the power of the Spirit the same way Jesus was sent in the power of the Spirit, okay? So that context is revealed here. The context of being sent as a preacher, a sent one, um, people are always sent on missions, okay? There's no such thing as a guy coming to the altar and then sitting uh, and saying they believe in Jesus and sitting in a pew for 20 years and doing nothing. That's false. That's dead. You're dead, dude. You're, you're dead, Fall on your face and cry out for the real encounter with the living God. Because if that's you, that's a dead theology. It do, that's not Christ, okay? Every person is called as a preacher. You may have one person you preach to. You may have a thousand, ten thousand, however big the call is. But you're a preacher. And you need to get that in your head. Because here's the deal. Verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We talked about this in depth, right? It's the word rhema. Faith comes by the direct voice of God, the voice of the spirit, okay? Verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. The word, word, there is a word, rhema. Okay, so here's the deal. What does this mean? It means how will the gospel be sent without a preacher? When you encounter the Lord, when you when you receive a prophecy, um, you're going to go to India, you're going to go to Russia, you're going to go to South Beach, you're going to go uh, to, to your home first and deliver your home, and then you're going to go to Jacksonville, Florida. Whatever the call of God is will be revealed in your prayer room, okay, as you dedicate your heart in prayer. And those who hear the rhema, Okay, when they hear the rhema, they will encounter God and they no longer will look at the impossibilities of the world. They will look at God as what he has said is possible. Okay, this is how callings and the purpose of Christ is revealed in people's lives. And so, again, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. The rhema of God, when it comes to you, he sends you, okay? People say, well, how did you move to Florida? How did you move to Toledo? How did you move to Pittsburgh? I got a rhema word from God. He sent me there. Um, when I walked into a church in Pittsburgh, uh, the pastor came up to me and said, I know God sent you here. The next thing you know, we got his whole, his whole church, 300 people baptized in the Holy Ghost. How did you go to India? I had a dream. And a man seven days later called me. And when I went to India... 100,000, 150,000 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I had a rhema word, okay? And when I got a rhema word, I waited on the Lord for the actual rhema that he wanted me to preach in India, that he wanted me to preach in Pittsburgh, that he wanted me to preach in the assignment in Toledo, the assignment in Florida, okay? Every assignment is different. And when you learn to rely on what the Lord is saying, he will always redirect your life. You, he will, in one season, use one gift. In another season, he'll use a different gift. In this season, you'll use healing. In another season, you'll be casting out devils, okay? And it all comes down to you learning the way of the Spirit, okay? So true preachers release the rhema words through prophetic encounters. Your encounters will dictate what you get to give away, okay? The Bible documents graphe, okay? It, it's, it do, it's documented scripture of what was spoken by the Lord, okay? Logos, then, Logos is... Um, a deeper meaning of what we call rhema, okay? Logos is still the spoken word, but it's all the understanding that came around the encounter, okay? Logos takes the personal encounter and creates a spiritual way of life, a spiritual doctrine, so to speak. And so when it says that Jesus was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, nothing was created unless it came through the word, okay? There's a deep meaning to the context of Logos, okay? So Jesus as the Rhema, Jesus as the Logos. When Jesus comes and speaks to you um, unique visions or dreams, that's a Rhema word, okay? There's an assignment, there's an equipping with a Rhema word. Logos is actually a deeper thing in terms of revealing to a people a way of the Spirit. And so when you look at Scripture, the true meaning of Logos is not simply written words on paper. That's graphic. Logos is actually the doctrines that come out of, for example, 
um, as Paul, or, um, yeah, as, as John was taken up into heaven and the revelation of Christ was given to him, right? A whole book was given to him. There's spiritual meaning. What does the horseman mean? What does um, the dragon mean? What does the, um, you know, what, what does the locust with, with the uh, stinging tails mean? What does, um, you know, uh, Abaddon um, coming out of the earth mean, right? The context of Logos is actually understanding the deep meaning of the way of the Spirit, the deep meaning of the prophetic, okay? Logos is actually so relational with the Lord Himself that you begin to think, with the mind of Christ. You begin to think his thoughts. You begin to dream his dreams on such a detailed level that it becomes supernatural. And it typically only happens through encounters and impartations on specific subjects. And so, for example, I'll tell you this. Like, when the, when the Lord started to speak to me about the contrast between the law of Moses and the law of the Spirit, he took me to Romans chapter 8 one day. And it was, all I can explain to you, is like a mushroom cloud. When I read where he took me, when it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He spent six months talking to me nothing other than that scripture. And I have encounter after encounter after encounter. It became a thought process. Not just a single encounter or an impartation of a single dream. It became weeks and months of dream upon dream upon dream to where he shifted my thought process to think like Christ. That's what that's what the real meaning of Logos is, guys. Um, it's not just um, words on paper. Like I said, that's graphe. Logos is actually meant to be the ultimate understanding of the way of thinking because the Lord has spoken to you in depth on a topic, not just a single rhema word. Single rhema words are like, that's how prophecy flows. But when the Lord is going to give you understanding of deep scripture, deep real scriptural meaning, he will actually give you dream upon dream, um, vision upon vision, encounter after encounter um, of what he's trying to reveal and impart to you. Okay? Changes your life. It changes the way you think. No longer do you think as a mere man, but you think as a supernatural one. Okay? And so I'm going to tell you a story about an encounter I had. Um, this is 30 years ago now. My wife and I were 23. Um, we were 23. We were living in Finley, Ohio. And, and there's some details before I get into the experience that are important for you to know because um, the encounter uh, took me to certain places. I was actually born in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Um, I lived in a house. Um, on David Street in uh, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and uh, my wife and I met in college at Slippery Rock when I got my first degree. Um, uh, my wife and I met. We were only uh, together uh, for really a year and a half. We got married, um, and um, from there, we um, we had we together, you know, in a strange way. Uh, decided we were going to follow Christ, okay? And um, when we decided to follow Christ, I can't explain it, but there was this grace. We suddenly, the Lord started teaching us things out of the Bible. We were experiencing some things um, that we did, couldn't explain. There was no spiritual father. There was no church that we were connected with. All my wife and I can tell you is that we would read the Bible and the Lord would start, like, talking to us. And it was crazy. And we could feel this presence that we had never felt before. And, um, and so, um, in, uh, I decided to go back. I couldn't get a job, um, because of the recession in the, in the uh, early nineties. Um, I decided to go back to school. I was, uh, getting a master's degree in Finley, Ohio, um, at the university of Finley, um, in 1993. And, um, we would always go home like every three, four weeks, we would drive from Finley, Ohio, back to Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Okay, it was a six-hour drive. We would hop on the Ohio Turnpike, cross the state line into Pennsylvania, followed the Ohio Turnpike um, into Somerset, Pennsylvania, and uh, weave our way for a little bit into Johnstown, okay, where my parents still live. And so here's, here's the situation. So one day in uh, 1993, um, my wife and I, we had this little 1978 Honda 
uh, Honda Civic. Um, it was an old beater, man, a couple hundred thousand miles on it. Um, and so I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the passenger seat. We, we leave the house. We get, on, we get on the Ohio Turnpike, and we're heading east toward Pennsylvania. All right? And um, I'm driving along, and I've got my chemistry book. I've got uh, some big tests coming up, and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm deep into the into the chemistry book. And all of a sudden, I start hearing this this uh, sound. It was like Zzzz. it got really loud. This noise coming out of the engine. My wife and I are looking at each other like, "What the heck is this?" Um, and uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, there's a there's a uh, rest area, uh, a plaza. Um, you know, you can actually see it down the road in the distance, maybe a mile, mile and a half away. And I'm like, well, let's, let's just try to get down here and, um, we'll pull in and try to figure this out. All of a sudden we, this, this buzzing noise gets extremely loud and you hear this pop. Um, and somehow in the rear view mirror, I, I looked out, I saw this flaming cherry red piece of the engine, uh, popping, you know, popping down the road, um, uh, the car goes dead. Uh, all the electricity goes dead. Um, pull over to the side of the road. Um, I look underneath and, and there's literally the rod <laughs> went through the oil pan. I walk back down uh, the highway on the side of the highway and there's a couple parts where the camshaft, uh, literally um, the parts that hold the camshaft in place broke apart and, and the rod, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like this was going to, we were going to take the vehicle to a local garage it could get fixed really quick and off we went i mean this was okay the engine was shot right and so um we're writing a note we're putting it in the you know in the window uh so if a cop came um he knew that we would come back to get the car i didn't know what was going to happen um we got our bag out and it was probably about a mile we could we could see the the plaza up the road and we we decided we were going to start to walk and see if we could hitch a ride or find f find somebody to help us right and i kid you not it was it was like um we started to walk it wasn't it wasn't even 10 steps and all of a sudden this car um this old buick uh pulls in in front of us and uh they they put it in park and a lady jumps out of the back seat, which I thought was extremely odd because a husband and wife, the guy rides in the front with his wife usually, right? But in this case, the wife was already in the back seat, okay? She jumps out of the back back door, the driver's driver's side back door. She opens it and she says, hey, what's what's going on? And so we explain to her and she says, so you guys, so we're, and part of our story was, yeah, we were, we were on our way, um, into Pennsylvania and she goes, well, here's the deal. We can take you. We're, this is what we're doing. She goes, we're going to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, all the way to uh, a place in, called David street on Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and we can take you there if needed. <laughs> okay. And so you can already figure out that this is a supernatural encounter. Okay. Um, my wife and I look at each other and we're in shock, right? How in the heck does a car, the first random car, pull in in front of you and ask you if you need a ride, if you need help, and then reveal that they're going to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, not only Johnstown, Pennsylvania, they're going to David Street where they're meeting family, okay? And so we go, oh my gosh, we're literally going to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and I was born on David Street. And the conversation from this point, all I, all I can tell you is the hair on my arms is standing up at this point. And we are literally in shock as this, what appeared to be a husband and wife, but dude, I'm telling you, these were two angels, okay? Because... What happened next was absolutely amazing as this couple um, begins to speak to us and talk to us. They're asking us questions that basically pulled out some of the recent decisions we had made to follow Jesus, okay? And so we're cruising, we're cruising on the Ohio Turnpike. We get through Cleveland. We almost, we're, you know, we're cl getting close to the Pennsylvania state line. And all of a sudden, um, they say, hey, um, 
we love this diner in this little town near Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, and we would love to take you guys there to eat, okay? At this point, like, we're in shock, man. I mean, the whole the whole encounter is shock, and so they literally take us back to the place where we met, where my wife and I met in Slippery Rock and decided to get married and decided to give our life to Christ, okay? And at this point, um, we go eat, okay? Um, we get done eating, um, and the conversation is just, I, it's just amazing. I, I mean, everything that they talked to us about, the, my, the hair on my arm stood up for, for the, whole, the whole day, okay? And so we get back in the car, and all of a sudden, she's in the back seat talking to my wife, and she leans forward, she leans over the shoulder of her husband, and she looks at the gas gauge, and she goes, oh my gosh, we're on E, we're on empty, when are we going to stop and get gas? And of course, we're off the highway, guys, I mean, Slippery Rock's in the middle of nowhere, um, in northeastern Pennsylvania, it's about an hour above Pittsburgh, and I mean, we're weaving through back roads, they're talking about how they love driving in the back roads in the country, and all this stuff, and um, you know, I'm looking, I now start looking at the gas gauge, and the, the the guy, the man, um, he looks at me and he says, uh, what do you think, Dave? You got faith? Do you have faith for this? I'm like, what do you mean faith? It's like, just stop at a gas station. He goes, and he starts literally talking to me about specific scriptures, guys. He starts talking to me about um, if you have faith, you can move a mountain. What do you think, Dave? Do you think that gas gauge means we have no gas? Or do you think we can keep going? And I'm, I'm like, I am in, I'm caught between two worlds. I'm literally, this guy is talking about like believing, like supernatural faith for something that a gas gauge says is impossible. If you have no gas in the natural, guess what? You're walking. And I'm like, listen, this is a cool story, but I don't want to be walking right now. Right. And I'm looking at him and dude, he is, he is preaching at me, man. He is literally talking to me about faith. Like what real faith is. And he's like, well, then he gets on this whole thing about the mustard seed, right? If you have faith as a mustard seed, okay? And by the time all of this gets going, we're driving on empty for what felt like almost an hour. We're almost down into Monroeville um, in Pennsylvania, you know, going to get on the turnpike, okay? And he finally... After driving for an hour on empty, which is absolutely impossible, okay, pulls over <laughs> with a smile on his face and gets out and pumps gas. And I, I can't even explain it to you guys. I mean, it, it was it was it was a, such a an impartation of faith from a messenger. I know this was a messenger. I know it was an angel. Okay, and so he he fills up with gas. We get on the turnpike. He takes us to David Street. Drops us off. We get out. We're talking to everybody. Um, my wife gets their names, gets their number. They hug us, and off they go. Okay, and my dad comes, <laughs> picks us up, um, literally a hundred yards from where I was born. Okay, on David Street in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, at a little convenience store at, at this corner of uh, of David Street and Eisenhower Boulevard. And so, the point of this, guys, is. After that encounter, my mind thought differently. No longer was I trying to interpret a scripture and have how he is waiting to send messengers to impart things to you, to equip you to do things that you could never do on your own. I mean, the context of um, knowing that a vehicle is going to literally the engine blow up and literally within a matter of minutes, this car pulls in. And is going to take us to the place where we met, where my wife and I met, and take us all the way to David Street so my parents could pick us up and we could figure out what we're going to do with the car. I mean, how, how does that happen? It and, and all I can tell you is what I took away from it was this, my gosh, faith, right? I had no, I had no pastor. I had no, I had no um, spiritual father. Um, I had nobody that even knew anything about the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a denomination with zero Holy Spirit, okay? 
Um, so I had nowhere to go. I, I mean, we, my wife and I had searched. We were trying to find churches. And all of a sudden, the Lord sent these two angels to us to literally reveal and impart to us um, faith in the context. And, and, and what, I'm try, what I'm telling you the story for, guys, is logos, the meaning of the word come to life. The meaning of the word was with God. The word was God, right? Um, and the word of God literally in, in relationship with you, right? That's what Logos is. It actually, Jesus, the living Christ, encounters you in a way that spiritual understanding, revelation, um, and, and ability, a context of faith. Listen, dude, after that encounter, I believed for things that I never in my wildest dreams would believe for. I decided I was going to get um, another degree. I decided I was going to try to um, achieve the best I could achieve. Um, nobody in my nobody in my uh, family ever did anything other than um, a menial labor job. Okay, nobody ever went to college, and somehow this angelic encounter imparted to me this desire that I would I could be something way more than what I ever thought I could be um, beforehand. Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you um, that story in the context so that you can get a feel for what Logos is. You know, you could say, well, if I had a dream about faith, that would be a rhema word. Okay, but the angelic encounter that changed my whole thought process, changed my understanding of faith, changing my ability to not only believe in God so profoundly um, um, in a, in a, in a uh, big uh, context or, or um, just in general. But if I look at a gas gauge and it's on empty, but I feel the unction of the Spirit say, I don't care what that gas gauge says, I have faith because the Spirit of God is speaking to me that I can move mountains right with faith. Okay? And I'm telling you the story, guys, because that's a Logos encounter. That's a Logos granting encounter. That was a messenger sent by Christ with a specific intent and a specific purpose. Amen. And that's that's the difference. That's the difference between somebody who is a parrot on the ground level of the earth, just pecking seed. Okay. There's a lot of guys that stand in pulpits and all they all they are is a parrot repeating scripture after scripture. Uh, Polly want a cracker, right? Scripture after scripture, scripture after scripture. But you're not a parrot. You're an eagle who is positioned high in the sky, positioned in a place above the earth not below, okay? You're above the earth having the encounter of Christ. And when you're positioned above, just like I shared in the, in the previous sessions about the vision the Lord gave me for those people in Rochester, that not only was he going to transform the parrots um, by having them drink the water, the, the oil and the wine, right? But they were going to have their enemies, right? The angels that were in the vision carrying the enemies of God, the spirit of politics, the spirit of religion, right? The spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of witchcraft. All of those things were brought on a silver platter that the angel, the messenger of the Lord was serving up to you. And that's the difference, guys. Um, and it's so vastly important that you transition out of all of this dead religious um, concepts of being a Bible worshiper. Jesus wasn't a Bible worshiper. Right? He was in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Paul was not a Bible worshiper. It didn't even exist at the time. There was no New Testament. Okay? There was no New Testament. It wasn't written. All he knew was the Holy Spirit. And he released the vision of God everywhere he went. And it, it brought the encounter and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so here's the deal. Why is this so important? Because when you've been taught false doctrines, false doctrines establish thought processes, and powerlessness, okay? And inception is, is, a, is a deep theological position that leads to deadness, okay? Okay, deadness is, is actually the opposite of Mark 16 and what Jesus said you would do when you're baptized in His Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Mark 16, go into the world and preach the gospel, right? Get a vision from me and these signs will follow you, Right? Connect the dots, guys. Go into the world and preach the gospel. What is preaching the gospel? Well, I shared with you in Romans 10 that your feet are to be shod with the gospel of peace and you are to take the rhema word. A true preacher releases the rhema word, 
the, the prophecy, word of knowledge, the dream, the vision of God, and what happens when you release the rhema, okay? When you release the rhema, you cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. You do the supernatural. Amen? And so, dead religious theology that gets you to simply worship Bible, worship a Bible and conform to it leads to powerlessness because it, it induces not just um, a perspective of Scripture, but it's a thought process that keeps you dead, okay? It keeps you dead. It leads to unbelief, and unbelief leads to powerlessness, okay? If you're not casting out devils, healing the sick, and raising the dead and prophesying, you have an issue of unbelief. You have an issue of powerlessness because that's not the gospel, the gospel is preached according to what, where the Lord leads you to speak, okay? And when he leads you to speak, it becomes a way of life. And that, that is the essence of, of why I explained the, the encounter with those two angels, because they were changing a thought process in me. When you, when you encounter Logos, he literally is, is shifting you from thinking like a mere man, a powerless demonic doctrine, into um, a way of thinking that is thinking like Christ. Amen? I thought, when the Lord sends me to India, when the Lord sends me places now, I don't think like a mere man. If I think like a mere man, I will fail. I wait for what the Lord is saying to me. And I've told you guys story after story in, in these hundreds of, of episodes I've done on this podcast, right? Where I'm sitting on stage in the middle of 3,000 people in India and all of a sudden, I think I'm preaching one thing. And the Lord says, no, you're going to address the deaf mute tonight. This is what you're going to do. And boom, not, not only does a, a, does a supernatural thing with one deaf mute happen, but thousands of people then um, are preached to by the rhema word and, and they get encountered with the Holy Ghost, right? So this is a way of life, guys. Logos, the true meaning of the word logos is a way of life. And I'm going to give you an example here. Um, you know, we recently have been working with um, a group in uh, upstate New York. We've got a group in Buffalo. We've got another group in uh, Rochester. And um, I got invited a year ago, actually uh, February of, of uh, 2022. Um, I did a prophetic conference, um, uh, preached all weekend, prophesied all weekend um, to a group of people up in uh, Rochester. And I called this one guy out of the audience. Um, and um, I said, I see you on a horse. Um, and a horse, guys, is a call of ministry, right? Um, I said, I see you on a horse, but I see you knocked off. And you've been knocked off so hard that you have broken arms, broken legs, broken back. Everything about you is broken. But I see Jesus, the real Jesus, stepping into your life and putting his hand on you and beginning to reform you. And after he's finished reforming you, I see him mounting you on this horse and you don't look the same. You, you have a glow, you have an ability, you have all this supernatural stuff on you. And when I'm done, I mean, this guy is weeping and um, he's, he acknowledges he was, he was a pastor. And he was a pastor in a denomination that uh, preached conformity um, and, and, you know, some, some doctrinal things that not only ended up hurting him, ended up hurting people, okay? And uh, long story short... Um, the Lord led us to connect with this, with this, uh, with this guy, um, and you know, over the last year, um, this this man who never prophesied, never dreamed dreams, never had the supernatural as a routine flow in his life, suddenly is dreaming every night. Suddenly is um, seeing the vision of the Lord, and and learning a new way of ministry, um, and seeing people flood into his house to hear the prophetic voice of God. And it's just a great example, guys, of, you know, I can tell you story after story about how the Lord leads me to restore pastors. He restore, store, you know, deliver people out of dead religious doctrines, denominations of powerlessness, um, and people who literally run out of gas because they realize they're doing it in their own strength. They're broken, just like that guy who fell off his horse. Um, and, and all I can tell you is, if that's you, whether you are leading a church, whether you are have sat in a dead doctrinal church um, and have discovered the place where 
there's got to be more than this. There, this, I'm functioning in my own power and strength, and there's an end to it. Man cannot achieve, right, what only the Holy Spirit can do. And so, you know, guys, I think, you know, the, the intent of this really is to center you so closely with the Holy Spirit that, number one, you realize that the Holy Ghost, just as Jesus was led through the desert by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the rhema word of God, and Jesus knew the Holy Spirit's voice so profoundly, he couldn't be tricked by dead doctrine. And here's the deal, guys. Many of you, as you listen to my stuff and you start having dreams, and the Lord starts confronting and actually delivering you from dead things in your life, dead, dead doctrines, and the demons that hide behind those dead doctrines, as well as your own, your own brokenness and the demons that hide behind the brokenness that are actually the fuel of you staying um, deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually as the Lord breaks into your life with visions and dreams, um, I encourage you, run, run, run away from the, from the dead thing and run into the presence of the Lord and pray without ceasing. Um, and I, you know, when I, when I encourage you guys to pray and fast, it's not like a condition thing. It's not something that I'm like, you have to do this. I'm encouraging you because it's a way of the Spirit. It's the place where freedom comes upon you. It's a place where the Lord searches your heart. When you simply pray in the Holy Spirit, you know, as, I, as I've taught many of you um, in Isaiah 28, 9, 10, 11, um, the Lord is your teacher when you pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, He is going to respond to you and begin to give you dreams and visions, and He's actually going to root up the dead thing. He's going to root up um, what makes you powerlessness and transition you into one who encounters the living God and expects in the living God and lives their life by the voice of the Spirit instead of trying to find an organization to entertain you and, and actually end up being controlled, okay? You're not meant to be controlled. You are a preacher, okay? You got to get that in your head. You are a Romans 10 um, preacher, you are called in the gospel of peace to hear the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God, everywhere around you, in your home, with your children, in your workplace, He is going to begin speaking to you and you're going to get a complete different concept of how simple the gospel is and the empowerment He gives you as an individual to share His good news. Amen? And that's what it is. It's good news. The gospel of Jesus was never meant to be a set of rules and sitting under people that make you submit to an organization and they are your quote-unquote covering, okay? The reason why the Lord took Elijah into the desert was to reveal a greater covering of the Lord, not a system. The Lord himself was a covering. The reason the Lord took David into the dark caves and into the desert running for his life was to reveal the power of the Spirit, right? You've heard me talk about Naoth Ramah um, and how when David learned the prophetic voice of the Lord, the assassins of Saul couldn't touch him because the prophetic presence of God was so powerful in his life. And it's the same concept with Jesus. Jesus came, right, as the son of David, as, as in the same manner as David who set up a place of worship in the presence of the Lord, David set up Zion, right? He's, he set up a place of absolute prayer. It was a prayer life where the voice of God continually flowed. And so the Lord loved David so much that he says, I'm sending my son as the son of David, right? And so as Jesus came, Jesus was also tested in the desert to reveal he was not moved by the law. He was not moved simply by um, somebody else's interpretation of scripture, the only thing that moved Jesus was the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's the Holy Ghost, okay? And the reason why the Holy Ghost is the centerpiece of the gospel on earth is because that is your avenue by which you hear the voice of God, okay? The church as a whole in America has it upside down. They actually build a structure um, and, and, and try to confine people around a scriptural understanding 
when you're actually supposed to have a free-flowing prophetic group of people that have the voice of God and periodically you talk about a doctrinal concept that the Lord wants the whole body to understand, okay? Or An orator in a pulpit was never meant to be the centerpiece of the church. The power of the New Testament church is the body as a whole all hearing the voice of God because they all have a prayer life. They all know that it is the voice of God that leads them through the wilderness and they all help each other to walk through life. And as the Lord wants to teach a deeper level of a, of a spiritual doctrine, periodically a man will get a, 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 um, a, uh, a scriptural meaning or something that the Lord wants to reveal and testify about. Just like I testified about the angel um, and the impartation of what faith really is and what the scriptures that talk about faith really mean. Okay, that's a testimony of being with the messenger of God, of being with Christ as Christ has sent the messenger to me. Amen. And here's the deal. Hebrews chapter 1 says that the angel that the Lord sends to you is what makes you a minister of fire. Right? One who's baptized in fire. One who imparts the word, the logos, to you. Okay? And so the same with the rhema. The rhema and the logos are spiritual encounters. Amen? And so I just, I just encourage you guys... Pray, guys. Pray. I'm, I'm so in love with the Holy Spirit. My, my heart, my hope with you is that every one of you would this stuff. I have people just send me this week, hey, I cast out my first demon. I got a vision from God. I went to this woman. I started praying and it took a couple hours, but we got this demon out of her. And I'm like, that's the gospel. You just went from a powerless form of depression, anxiety, and everything that comes with dead religion and got transitioned into a life that you'll ne you'll never be the same again because you encountered, you had an impartation of the Holy Ghost, and now you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, casting out demons because He gave you vision for the people He sent you to deliver to. Amen? And oh, by the way, that girl that sent that to me um, last year in Louisville, um, I've called her out of the audience, and I said, the Lord uh, is, is right now designing a pair of snakeskin boots and you are going to become so profound um, that you're going to wear your enemy's skin on your shoes as a means of uh, a, a visual um, appearance of your domination in the spirit world. And here we are, six months later, she's casting out devils and doing the supernatural because the gospel, the real gospel, the vision of God was preached to her. The rhema produced something in her that sitting in church for 30 years could never produce because dead religion is powerless. You get the picture, guys? That's why prophecy is so important. And, you know, here's the, here's the deal, guys. You, may, you can have the wrong understanding. When you listen to my stuff, my podcast, you can get the wrong understanding of what I'm doing, okay? I want to emphasize to you that when I go places, I talk. I, I, might, I might talk for 45 minutes, but we pray and prophesy for hours upon hours upon hours. And then in the next meeting, if I'm if the Lord leads me to explain some scriptural understanding, but then I prophesy and pray and cast out devils for hours and hours and hours. That's what the real gospel is. Amen. And I just encourage you that you really take a step back and rethink and let the Lord reform in you what the real gospel is. Because what you've learned in dead denominations, growing up um, in dead systems and dead routine uh, things that happen in denominations, the majority of that is not the gospel. You know why? Because without the Holy Spirit, it continues. 30 minutes for worship, and if they go too long, they get a cutoff sign from the pastor. You got five minutes um, for people to talk about, you know, what's going on in the church and announcements, and then you got. Uh, 30 minutes of a scripted message that is trying to explain scripture um, but has no power behind it because it's not rhema and it's not logos. It's basically dead graphe. It's graphe without the spirit. And that's, that's, what, that's what dead religion is. It has the appearance of righteousness because it takes the written scripture, the graphe, and because it's graphe, you, the body, think it's alive you think that you're actually getting something from the dead preacher who's, who's preaching it, or from the dead orator, I should say, who's speaking it.
But the only way power is released, guys, is when there's rhema and logos impartation to that guy. And if he's not teaching you what the Lord came to him with an intent to reveal to you and impart to you, you're wasting your time. Run from that place. Because all you're doing is getting indoctrinated in dead religious doctrines that heap shame, heap condemnation, and keep you bound in what the world says you are instead of you hearing the voice of God through Logos and Rhema encounters and you are redefined according to the power of the Spirit. Just like that girl that I talked to you about in Louisville. You know, last year she she's she's broken. She's in she's depressed, but the Lord started leading her out. She started listening to my stuff. I get invited to her church. I start prophesying over her and her body and people start changing, okay? People start being awakened and realize they have giftings and abilities and supernatural powers, so to speak. Literally, they become supernatural because the rainbow word of God is spoken into their life through prophecy and words of knowledge. Amen. And so, guys, I just, I pray for you that you would um, experience uh, angelic encounters I pray for you that the real Logos, the true Word of God, as described in Revelation 19, the one who has eyes of fire, a robe dipped in blood, hair that looks like wool, right? Um, And written on his thigh is the Word of God, the one who rides the white horse. I pray that you encounter him. I pray that he comes to encounter you. And in fact, I break down every wall of separation in your life. I break down every demonic Um, influence in your life, every curse. I break it off of you right now and I decree the door of the Word of God, the living God, the Logos encounter that will redefine you. I pray that um, it comes to you now in the name of Jesus. I I, I pray that you would have repeat after repeat of dream and vision on topics that would become Logos understanding of the way of Christ. I pray that it would be so profound that many of you will start churches, you will start healing centers, you will start deliverance centers, you will be missionaries going to cities, um, L.A. and New York on the streets and Seattle and oh my goodness, Portland, dead Portland. My God, I was in Portland last year, dead, absolutely dead in need of preachers on the street casting out devils and healing the sick, amen. I pray that you would be sent to nations um, as you encounter in the uh, the real Holy Ghost and you begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let this grace, let it come on on the people hearing this right now in the name of Jesus and let them be made supernatural, revealing the kingdom on earth, Lord. Let them be that eagle uh, that sits high above listening and, and being fed by you. The, the water, which is the prophetic encounter, the, the rhema and, and the word of God. Um, let, let them drink your wine that transforms their heart and makes it soft. No longer a, a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh able to hear the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that the anointing, the oil, would not only clothe them, Lord, but equip them and position them in the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, that they would no longer be parrots captivated by dead doctrines eating and pecking seed and repeating scriptures, that they would hear the voice of God and release what the Lord is saying, the living word, the living word, and they would no longer appear as parrots, they would appear as the eagles that you say they are. In Jesus' name, Lord, let this grace come upon every person hearing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.